It's time for Horrenda's Agenda, Bill's reflections on sports and life. Well, another Jersey person is making an appearance on Horrendous Agenda. This time it's Robert Rayola, the director of sports and entertainment group at PKF O'Connor Davies back in Cranford, New Jersey. He's an author, winning tax strategies for athletes and entertainers. Obviously, this is probably redundant because you're probably already following him on Twitter, but he's at Sports Taxman. Robert Rayola, a Brooklyn native but a Jersey resident, welcome to Horrendous Agenda. Bill, always a pleasure to speak with you. Nice to be on your show. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. And, Robert, being here in California, of course, Derek Carr, your work cited by ESPN. I've got a link on my page at kfbk.com. How much will Derek Carr save, assuming the squad moves in 2019 to Las Vegas, and why will he save this money? Sure, Bill. So, first of all, his deal is you know a six-year extension, and the thing gross dollars, it's about $126 million. Fortunately for him, the Raiders play right now in the worst state as far as tax is concerned. California, as you well know, the highest tax rate in the nation at 13.3%. When the team moves to Nevada, and it remains to be seen whether it's going to be in 19 or 20, he will play in a state with no income tax. Now, as you, as you and I have talked about before, the players, when they go on the road, when they play you know, road games against the Broncos or the Chargers, whoever they play, there is a tax on the road games. But that pulls in comparison to the 13.3%. So if the Raiders go there in 19, if they move there, he'll save about $8.7 million. It's such a, a drastic difference. Um, you know, Obviously, it's a little less if they don't go until 19. But his deal wasn't as backloaded as you think it may have been. Because he had to, the Raiders convinced him to sacrifice and take some money up front to smooth it out on the for the cap purposes, so they can sign other guys, and they did that. You know, one of the other players already, and they're going to do that. But the long-winded answer: he'll save about eight point seven million, a little bit less if if they go in, in twenty. But believe it or not, in two thousand and nineteen, he's going his gross salary is twenty million. His net off that would be about eleven point five four million. That's more than he would make if the Raiders stayed in in, in two thousand and eighteen. And he was making twenty-two and a half million. So even though he's making two and a half million dollars less in gross dollars, he'll make uh, more money because there's no state income tax in the five. Now, Robert, I'm kind of like Paulie from Goodfellas. I can go into a restaurant, order, and enjoy spaghetti and meatballs. Like I can break down a pick and roll. We get into these numbers. Now, I think you're referring to the jock tax, right? Is that kind of how it's commonly known? Yes, it is commonly known, Billy. And, and you know, like. Um, you know, uh, I know your brother's a basketball coach. Let's say he coached, the, you know, the Knicks of the Heat, right? Yes. If he went out and he was on the road when they went to Wisconsin or California or whatnot, athletes are high profile, high salary, easy to measure when they were in a particular state. So they're paying the tax. There is probably no such thing on accounting, you know, accounts or whatnot. The, the funny thing is, is that a lot of states have a de minimis rule. If you were in a state less than a certain number of days, you don't have to pay the tax. Of course, the biggest exception is 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 the uh, is the athletes. Funny story, and talking about the East Coast again, way back in the early '90s, um, this started with the Bulls were playing the Lakers in the NBA Finals, and the Illinois legislature got wind of the fact that the Bulls players were paying the, the jock tax in California. So, in a bill that was informally titled "Michael Jordan's Revenge," uh, they went ahead and, and started to tax players from other states that bothered them. About a year later, uh, uh, a, a gentleman, a lawyer by the name of Nicholas Panarella, went to the city of Philadelphia and said, look, 
you guys, uh, you know, ha- have rules on your book about taxing af- taxing non-residents. I want to go after the athletes in four main sports. So he did. And in exchange for a piece of the action, if you will, he went and started to tax athletes in Philadelphia. And what happened was Philadelphia to this day taxes the athletes, but they don't require you to file a return. And it's funny as this may seem, their tax rate, you know, is, is about three and a half for, uh, I think, three and a half for residents or non-residents, and the other one is about 4%. But that's higher than the state of Pennsylvania's rate, which is 3%. So jock tax is a big thing. It's a good way for states and cities to fill their coffers in these days where they don't really know where they're getting money from. And the people who hurt the most are not going to, you know, these athletes can't vote in those states and they're not going to hurt them. So it's uncanny. And, and Robert, how about this scenario? Now, I, I'm a big Mets fan. I know at the time the franchise thought it was a good deal, but they got caught up in the Bertie Madoff scandal. Can you elaborate on the relationship between the Mets and Bobby Bonilla? I think we had another annual installment to Bonilla that occurred recently. Yes, we did. Uh, so what, what happened there was um, the Mets owed him $5.9 million. And in exchange, they, they basically deferred money. So beginning July 1st, 2011, and every July 1st until 2035, he will get $1.19 million. So at the end of the day, he was able to turn $5.9 million with 8% interest into about $29.8 million. So funny, Bill, that you asked that question. Because so far, the Mets have made seven payments, which is $8.4 million, which is already more. He has 18 payments left. It's already more than... than um, than, than he paid out, than he you know, was supposed to get. It's turned out to be a big deal because it's wow. Look, how do you turn you know five point nine million in, in, into into you know twenty nine point <laughs> eight million? The funny thing is, most people don't even know the Mets and the Orioles are splitting another deferred payment deal to Benita. That's much smaller in size. So you know, every day, you know, every year on Twitter, and I have fun with it, saying you know how much will Bobby Bo make compared to Aaron Judge and you know all the Yankee fans chime in and whatnot. So it, it, it's a really yeah, at the time, it looked like it was okay for the match, but they were playing funny money with Madoff. But, you know, it's a big thing, and every July 1st, you're going to see it all over the Internet. That's unbelievable. We could be having this conversation in 17 years, and they still won't be done paying them. It's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And, and you know, the funny thing is, too, from a tax point of view, he's a Florida resident, and he's obviously no longer playing. So he's not, even though the Mets are paying, he's not paying New York tax, and he's not paying any jock tax because he's not traveling around with the team. So it's worked out really well for him. That's unbelievable. And, Robert, NBA free agency, I'd like to ask you about this. If I'm not mistaken, the salary cap came in a little bit lower than estimates at $99 million. How would you compare and contrast it with last summer? And also, uh, how would you assess this current NBA free agency market? And believe me, I'm dying to tweet out elasticity, inelastic. You can just go crazy right now. It's like you're the first one in the buffet line at the team dinner, but your economic analysis of the current NBA free agent market. Yeah, I, I, it's interesting because the cap, because of the way the TV money came in, the cap went way up last year and the contracts were out of control. I think what you're seeing this year is a lot. The big boys are always going to get paid. And for the first time that I can remember in a long time, somebody actually stepped up, one of the big, big boys, Kevin Durant, and he actually did that, which I think is a very smart thing. He took whatever it was, eight or nine million dollars less, okay. But that was a brilliant move because that enabled them to sign, um, you know, the two oh, Iguodala, Livingston, yeah, exactly. Iguodala and Livingston, and they signed even more now, so they're going to be, you know, uh, on paper they look even more powerful than last year. 
you know, they, they still have to sign one or two guys. But I think that was a tremendous move. And the poor guy, Durant, he goes and, you know, leaves to, you know, chase the title, if you will, or whatever. But he plays great in the finals. And, you know, I don't know if he outplayed the games, but he got the ring and he played clutch. He hit that huge shot in game three. And good for him. And what he did was really, really smart because it's going to make his brand even better. And it kept the gang together, if you will. Now, I'm not saying that you know everybody should do that. Curry didn't do it. But, you know. <laughs> Eight and nine million after taxes, you know, like to you and I, it's a lot of money, but to him, it's a drop in the bucket. And, um, I think the market is really different right now. Although, I mean, Kelly Olynyk, you know, right before we recorded this, Kelly Olynyk got four years, fifty million from from the Heat down to Florida, so no state tax there. But it, it, it's the big boys are getting paid, and I think what you're seeing a lot of, I think you're seeing a lot of, um, who's the player who that signed with the Sixers, the jump shooter? Uh, oh, JJ Redick. JJ Redick. Right. Yes. JJ Redick. He, he didn't really want to sign a one-year deal for whatever he twenty-three million. He wanted a longer-term deal. He's thirty-three years old. So you see, what you're seeing is, look, uh, Blake Griffin had no choice, right? Once they stepped up to five years, no matter what that California tax is, he's smart. You know, he, he had to take that deal because he gets hurt a lot. You know, now who knows what Chris Paul's going to eventually do, or whatnot? He wound up going to to you know Houston. But you talk about taxes. Whatever Blake Griffin makes gross, he's going to lose at least half the taxes. And right now, under current law, under Trump's, uh, Trump is proposing uh, to take away the advantage of paying state taxes. So right now, if you pay $100 of state income tax uh, you know, to California or wherever, you're going to get a, and you're in a top bracket, you're going to get a 40% benefit on your federal return. Trump is thinking about eliminating that. So the difference between the states and the non-states with the tax is huge. To give you an example, to change sports a little bit, because I'm familiar with the numbers, you know, we talked about you know, players in free agency would not. Is it a factor? You know, what do these guys decide? You know, which 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 draft? You you have no choice. Wherever you get drafted, you're going to go play. But when you become a free agent, you have a choice. So Nadamik and Sue, back in the day when he when he was uh, uh, with the Lions, he got sixty million dollars guaranteed, like you know, broadcaster type money. Mm-hmm. And after taxes, that was about thirty six million net. If if the Lions wanted to max at the home standing Lions, they would have had to pay him sixty five. And if the Raiders were rumored to be interested, they would have had to pay him 70.1. So wait a second. They would have had to eat further into the cap. The Raiders would have to pay $10.1 million more. That's something that's not really fair. And equating this back to basketball, I think what you're going to see, not in this cap, it didn't happen, it was talked about, but in the, the next CBA agreement, you're going to talk about the teams like right now, you know, the, the Knicks and, and the Lakers, they're hurt by this, you know, the, the high state income taxes. And what you're going to see is maybe going to a um, after-tax basis on the cap. I've spoken to a couple uh, teams in the NBA about this, and I know it got some play in the CBA wasn't in there. But, you know, it's a big factor. It's incredible. And, and Robert, you know, you look at Gordon Hayward leaving Utah and going to Boston and, you know, the inability, like you said, for the Knicks and Lakers to attract big-name free agencies. What's your analysis of the, of the Hayward deal uh, and, and of course, now it's not done. They, they're looking at potentially a sign and trade to make this happen. Yep. But what, what's your what's your take uh, on that specific scenario? You know, I mean, good, good for the kid. He seems like a really good player. But here's the thing that I think's important. He signed. It looks like he's going to sign a three plus one, his option, right? So he'll get four years gross of one hundred twenty-seven million dollars. And, and the other, you know, the Jazz could have paid him one hundred seventy-two million dollars. But you got to realize this. Everybody says that, oh, he's going to sign a super max and all that stuff. You don't know where he's going to be three years from now. Mm-hmm. You've got to take – it's very difficult to pass on that big money. If J.J. Reddick could have got a long-term deal, I'm sure he would have. So 
I think, you know, you, we can't criticize guys for changing teams. The, the NBA put in all these rules in effect. He didn't make all NBA. If he would have, the, the, you know, the Jazz could offer him more money, and he chose to move on. Now, I think what happened made the decision worse, and under the mag, you know magnifying glass was that his agent, and he wanted to tweet it out on, you know, Players' Tribune, and somebody got wind of it and put it out there. And then, you know, we all stewed for five or six hours, two July 4th in a row. Bert Lash and Duran and now him, you know. Um, but – Right, right. Good for the guy, the only thing you know, it's a it's a small thing, but it's in my world. Is there's a proposal out there right now that it's called the millionaire's tax in, in Massachusetts. So the top rate go, could go from five point one to a millionaire's tax. Anything over a million could go up to nine percent next year. So I'll take home a little less money. But you know, when you got that much. Uh, paper, I guess it doesn't make a difference. Right. And you know what, Robert, as we're recording this, Adrian Wojnarowski is reporting that Rudy Gay is heading to the San Antonio Spurs on a two-year, $17 million plus uh, with a player option on it. And interestingly enough, he opted out of $14 million in Sacramento, blew out his Achilles, Achilles during the season. So that just speaks to the unpredictability of the markets, your lifespan right. as a player. Hopefully he'll recover from that. He's showing good signs of that via Instagram and what have you, that his recovery is going well. But I guess it just speaks to another example of the unpredictability of the market. Right. I, I think that that's an excellent point. And, you know, the big boys are going to get paid, right? Yes. You know, the Kevin Durant, the Currys, those guys sell the tickets. And in this guy's case, you know, he got hurt. I don't know if he'll be able to start the season or not. And, you know, he took what he took. And, and it, good for him, at least in San Antonio, you know, he'll, he'll take put more in his pocket than he would have, uh, you know, if, if in California elsewhere. But, yeah, right. That's right. Big time. I mean, and, you know, look, it, it, it is possible. And, you know, we've done deals before like this. And we try to when guys play in California, it doesn't really work for football. But in other sports, it works, uh, especially baseball. Um, we don't I don't do Clayton Kershaw stuff. But what happened was his first year playing on his new deal. He, his compensation was $22 million. $19 million of that was a signing bonus so that he was able to pull that. He lives in Texas, Texas resident playing in California. So he paid no California or no jock tax anywhere on that. So with proper planning, you know, things can be done and, uh, you know, you know, make them work for you. And, and there's all these obscure laws. I remember back in the day, I was working with a player, and he, he was traded from Golden State to Indiana. And, you know, Indiana has a local tax, and they took it out. He was traded on, like, January 10th or whatever. And only in Indiana could they have a rule that, you know, any place else like New York City or California, they would prorate for the rest of the year. He spent like seventy five, eighty thousand dollars in local tax. When I went to do his return the following year, we looked it up and we checked it out. <laughs> it matters where your resident as January first. Only in Indiana could you be there ninety nine percent of the year, pay eighty thousand dollars in tax and get every penny back. Because they they said if you weren't here January first, you don't have to pay the tax. Really interesting. Yes, that's very Only obscure. In Indiana, give you a lady. You, would that ever happen where you grew up? When I grew up, no chance. <laughs> and you know what, Robert? I was born on December thirtieth, and my dad was ecstatic because I was a dependent for the full year. So I made an auspicious <laughs> beginning. Right. I think it was all downhill after that. I've been uh, a, a total disappointment. No. But and Robert, how about this? And this may be slightly uh, a slightly unfair question, but how? frequently does this issue rise to the top? I mean, there are so many things to consider, right? Culture, team, uh, city, all of these things. But is that just a mixed bag when you get right down to it in an individual deal with each athlete that some of them it's going to mean more to than others? Or how, how does that usually play out? Right. So the first thing is 
some guys have told me, Robert, I want, you know, look, I, I don't negotiate the contract, but I'm a sounding board. Like last weekend, I was running scenarios up and down for a couple of players. You'll see which is best. Some guys say to me, I want the best deal. I said, you got to remember, the best gross deal may not always be the best net deal. In other words, after yes. taxes, you can have a change like we talked about before. Right. And the interesting thing is some players really you know, want the money. But there are a lot of factors. I'm not saying that tax is the most important thing. The culture you mentioned, familiarity with a coach, you know, especially in other sports, if you like it, you're playing a 3-4 instead of a 4-3, you want to win a title, how close to a title, some guys will go for the money. So there, there is a lot of things that go into it. And I'm not saying, you know, tax is number one on the list, but taxes should definitely be one of the checkpoints. You know, and the funny thing is agents get paid on the gross, not the net. So sometimes you got to be careful and make sure they have the players, you know, best interest at heart because, you know, to him, he's getting paid on the gross, not the net. And, and Robert, it seems as though as much as, you know how it goes, like the NBA alumni will knock players, uh, you know, whether it's taking nights off or what have you, you know, things like that. And the game has changed so much, of course. But do you think that, Athletes are more savvy today than they've ever been financially, or is it about the same? That's a tough question. I'll tell you why. If an athlete does the right thing and you know is not bragging about charity, but you know he, he's successful and he doesn't lose money, it's not in the news. If this player, whether it's uh, Tim Duncan or whoever, we had about four or five guys in the last week that got defrauded by some unscrupulous investment advisor, whatever it may be, that's front page. You know, Clinton, mm-hmm. Portis, sure. Duncan, that's all over the news. It's sensationalism. You know, so I think we've made some progress, and, you know, financial literacy is important. To, to give you an example, my daughter is now 23 years old. When she was in high school, they didn't have a requirement to take financial literacy. My son, who's two years younger, when he was a freshman in high school, he was required. And now in New Jersey, you know, financial literacy 101 is required, a core mm-hmm. requirement for every high school freshman. Um, and obviously it's got to continue, you know, up into college or whatnot. But, again, we're always hearing about the bad things that happen. I think it's very important for a, a student athlete and eventually an athlete, professional athlete, to put together a really qualified team of professionals like I don't. I stay in my lane. I don't try to negotiate the contract. I try to, you know, do the taxes, do some planning, and do some financial planning. But you know, you got to have qualified professionals. And you know, the third cousin from third, or the friend from third grade, or somebody who grew up with you in Brooklyn, in my case, or Jersey City, your case, <laughs> may not be the most qualified person to help with with that. And, and of course, uh, Robert, along those lines, so many devastating stories of athletes losing it all. Antoine Walker made roughly one hundred eight million dollars, yet filed for bankruptcy. He's now helping athletes avoid a similar plight. Will we see more or less of this, or is this just human nature that there will always be success stories and then, unfortunately, falls from grace uh, financially and otherwise? Um, I, I think, you know, Walker works for uh, Morgan Stanley, and you know Drew Hawkins, his group there, has done a great job of doing this whole financial literacy, and I know Bart Scott has done a great job, too, as being involved with that, and they go from, you know, college to college. I think that's important to do. Uh, you know, I've spoken to some universities about this before, um, and it, it's just tr- trying to get around basics, but it's so hard because a lot of these athletes have family pressure, and that's a really difficult thing, being able to say no to family. And, you know, you look at these NBA kids, okay, the first-round picks get a lot of money. You know, the first overall pick will get 37, 36, you know, full, 
will, will, will get that much money, but you know that's before taxes, and the, only the first two years guaranteed. So if something happens, I mean, your statistics probably bear out that you know the third year most guys get it picked up or whatnot. But you know, the, the salaries you hear banted about, you know, uh, two hundred million and you know whatever that's before taxes. So if if Curry's a California resident, two hundred million, bang, you already lost a hundred million. It's down to a hundred. And people say, oh, you know, and people say on social media, oh, well, you just got to be planning. There's no planning. And as bad as it is there, if, you, if you're a baseball player for the Toronto Blue Jays, the top rate on the, in Canada in the province of Ontario is 53.5%. You know, so wow. it, it's, it's, yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, to, it, it, it's important for these guys to try to be aware of what goes on, to learn about taxes, to learn how to sign a check, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. So I, I think there's been some strides made. But, you know, I still think there's a long way to go. Well, Robert, this has been absolutely terrific. And, of course, I'd love to have you back to continue to peel the financial onion as, obviously, the sports year rolls on. And, again, it's Robert Rayola. He's the director of sports and entertainment group at PKF O'Connor Davies back in New Jersey. You can follow him on Twitter at Sports Taxman. Robert, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on, and we'll have to continue the dialogue uh, as your schedule permits. Great to be on the Horrenda Agenda. Thank you very much, Mr. Horrenda. Look forward to speaking to you soon. Sounds great, Robert. Thanks so much. You can follow Bill on Twitter at Bill Horrenda and catch him daily on the KFBK Morning News. Cold-blooded, cold-blooded, I'm telling you the truth. Let me stop here at this gas.